Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Mark Burrick, and today we have another special dual podcast. So if you're listening on Entrepreneathlete, where we help sport and fitness business owners get better and make better decisions, you're in for a treat. If you're here for the Better at Beach Volleyball podcast, then you're, we're going to be talking to one of the most powerful and influential YouTube owners and managers and persons in the volleyball world. He has a fantastic YouTube channel. Uh, I know that he's got adult leagues and he is at this point a master of ads and affiliate marketing and tournament and league organization and coaching and everything else. So uh, I want to bring him on and I want to pick his brain for an hour. You guys are in for a treat if you want to learn how to do any of that from YouTube channels to leagues and tournaments and, and everything in between. So Donnie Hoey of Elevate Yourself. What's up, man? What's up? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it's this is going to be fun. We talked, was it four years ago now? I think it was right before the t pandemic, like one or two years before that. And, and, and at that you, point, you just cold DM'd me and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I put up, uh, I don't know, two or three videos and I was like, man, you're crushing this YouTube thing. I wanted to learn from you and I learned a lot from you then. And now we're four years later and we're moving. Uh, you know, our, our YouTube channel has picked up. It's, it's nowhere near as successful as yours, but I, we're still proud of it. And I think with today's environment where it seems like everybody now is calling themselves a content creator or, <laughs> or a YouTube or, or a TikToker. I don't, I don't know if it's become more competitive or if you feel like you were the first to the game or one of the first to the game. So you have this massive advantage, but the, the first thing that I do want to cover for everybody who's new is tell us about all parts of your volleyball business before we start. And of course, where people can find it so that they can get more. For sure. Uh, well, thanks for the flattering intro. Like I, I think we just hit 600,000 subscribers and oh. it's, it's been crazy. Like I, to me, when, when I remember someone, one of my staff members said, Hey man, congratulations on 600,000. And I think I'm just so used to just focusing on what I'm doing at the moment. And I just still feel like a regular guy that's just loving volleyball and trying to spread the volleyball love that I, I forget to take myself out of those moments to kind of appreciate the big picture. Um, so it's, I, I think a big part of how everything started was just, I have, ever since I was a kid, if I had a great idea, I had to share it with somebody and I'm not naturally very extroverted. Like if I had a choice, I would just rather spend a lot of time by myself or with one or two people. And so for me to choose a career as a high school teacher first, um, and then a volleyball coach, and then now content creator, um, you know, doing all these things that are more, I guess, outwardly social has been a really interesting evolution. And, but I know that those were, that was the only way I was able to get the message out about how to get better at volleyball, how to love the game more. And most importantly, how to be a good person while doing the whole thing, you know? And like, for me, I was very fortunate that I had a lot of mentors, um, in my volleyball journey and my sports journey. And I always knew that if I ever had that position of influence to mentor other people or to teach other people, I wanted to pass that on um, because I was naturally not very athletic. And I always appreciated when my instructors who were 
either fourth degree black belts or even talking to Karch Karai. Like I had a chance to talk to Karch for 15 minutes and he just was so present like and read pretty the you just they look you in the eye and you are equal to them for a moment obviously not in accolades and performance but you're equal to them in a moment i want to do that for as many people as i could through my channel so to answer your question for elevate yourself it first started off just as a private coaching business so um, i've always my parents they didn't they they helped me with some tuition stuff you know i lived at home and but the bigger picture for my dad was that he always wanted to make sure that i was able to support myself at a very young age so i think when i was in sixth grade i stopped receiving any allowance <laughs> and he told me get a get a job and um i said well i'm not old enough to get a job but i found ways so i, I cut hair i taught drum lessons um, I sold my drawings. I used to draw a lot. Um, so just a lot of different ways. So that entrepreneurial spirit, I can thank my dad. My dad's an entrepreneur as well. So I think seeing what it was like for someone to not fear failure and just move on to the next project was really important for me. And then for him, quote unquote, depriving me of allowance forced me to adapt and I had to hustle to make money. So yeah, going into college, uh, living at home, paying for a part of my tuition, I had to make sure I had a job. So I worked at um, like Sunglass Hut and just your everyday jobs. But on the side, I always had a hustle. So I taught drum lessons still. Um, I did jump training for a little bit. I was a personal trainer and I did volleyball lessons. And then the volleyball lessons and the personal training started to pick up more. And I realized that that's what I was much more passionate about. And I didn't have an official business name at the time. I was just a volleyball coach and a jump training specialist that wanted to help people to get better. I actually trained people for free for like over a year at the gym. Whoa. Like people would see me do, people see me dunk on a basketball court for my training or do, see me do you? these high box jumps. What was that? How tall are you? Uh, five foot 10. Oh man, just getting up there and mashing. That's sick. Yeah. Can you teach uh, me how to dunk? I would like some of that. <laughs> How, how tall are you, Mark? Are you like 6'2"? Six, two? Uh, six, six two and a half, thank you. 6'2 and a half, okay. <laughs> oh, definitely. And and you got all that sand training, so. But yeah, that was, you know, I, I was a lot of people seeing me do things and then asking me, how do you do that? Mm. And I was just always happy to help people. And then some person who got a lot of free advice from me eventually said, dude, you need to start charging me. I said, I, I guess I could do that. And then so that's kind of how it started. And then as... Uh, my kind of middle college towards the end of my college when I had to think about my future and where I was going to get more sustainable income. Wait, this is um, this teaching, is just, not even out of college yet? You're doing jump training and, and lessons? Yeah. And personal training? Yeah. yeah. Dang. So I went to a local university and I, that was one of the biggest, the best decisions I made on accident because for me, you know, growing up, I people always talked about having the college experience, whatever, partying, joining frats and whatever. In the beginning, I thought I wanted that, but I'm glad I didn't because living at home was boring and lonely as hell, right? <laughs> All my friends are having the blast, you know, and, and you know, we come back on going on all these dates and all these parties. You get them for Wednesday yeah. before Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then here I am, I come home from school. I'm like, great, what do I do? So you, you just have all this extra time. But 
I, all that extra time just gave me more time to build my my business and my hobbies and, and explore other areas of myself. So by the time I was in college, I was maybe giving like four or five training sessions a week to clients and building that up and coaching a lot. So I had a chance to really develop that early. So by the time I graduated, I was doing maybe 10 privates per per week Great. Um, for that. And then as I decided to start formalizing it, um, I was like, well, maybe I should come up with a, a business name. And that was probably the most difficult part of the journey. Um, actually, I'm curious, how, how did you come up with Better at Beach? Uh, <laughs> Volley Camp Hermosa was the original. So I remember, yeah. Um, I worked with a guy, he, he was trying to make me the head coach, but it didn't work out because it was in Europe and uh, I was in the US and I was like, ah, I kind of want to compete here. But that was Beach Camp. And then he turned that into Volley Tours, which is one of the most successful beach volleyball vacation companies over in Europe. Um, I'm just praying that he never tries to come here or when he does, he remembers that we're friends, you know? (laughs) Um, and he was helping me one night when I was like on my way back to the U S and he just made some logos and everything. I was like, we want it to know that it's a a volleyball. We want to know that it's a camp and specific to Hermosa. And so we just kind of came up with volley camp Hermosa. And then a few years later, I was like, we have to grow because when I started talking to all those business people about scale, you know, how how do you grow? How do you do this? I knew that we could make people better. Here's what I I got sick of really. Um, It it maybe wasn't like as, what do you call it? Benevolent as you, I got sick of answering the same questions all the time. Oh yeah. And I was just like, forget it. I'm putting this on YouTube so that I never, ever have to answer it again. And that's what I thought would happen. That is not what happened. Uh, (laughs) uh, So I I started putting those things out on YouTube. I go, we need to definitely be more global. And I also got a bunch of phone calls um, about people who wanted to camp, like with tents Mm. in Hermosa. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) So uh, I, I don't really know how we came up with it. The logo took me weeks of back and forth but uh somebody who had done hundreds of logos he was just like mark here's the thing you need to decide by today here's my recommendation i love this and let's be done with it uh because you need to move on with your business so i was thankful for him but better at beach was just it just flowed so nice uh that's a great name yeah and that's there was no other discussion other than that's a nice name Better at Beach. Yeah. Uh, do I wish we had done Better at Beach Volleyball for our for our SEO on our website? Maybe. But then I then I kept having to say Better at Beach Volleyball.com. And I was like, God, I can't mm. stand these extra three syllables. So yeah. <laughs> so we just enter volleyball on everything that we write and it does the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like even B A B, that's just is simpler. Like if you want to change it to an acronym or Yeah. Yeah, we call our, yeah, our campers name. babbers, you know. So it's there's a bunch of <laughs> cool stuff go. that's coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And we get made fun of at every tournament we play. You know, somebody gets a spike on me and they're like, I'm better at beach. And I'm like, ha, thank you for promoting me while beating me. <laughs> oh man, that that's gotta get old at real real quick. <laughs> but you have still have to laugh at it. <laughs> yeah, if, so long as they say it loud enough so that everybody could hear it. You know, you then go. I'm good with it. There you go. So yeah, the name took probably like three months. And I really wow. thank my brother who really affirmed me in my entrepreneurial spirit. So 
coming from like a middle class, upper middle class, East Asian background in the Bay Area, majority of my family members are tech, like engineers, software developers, mm -hmm. or in medical. And so I always felt that looming pressure. But because my brother and my dad, they really encouraged me to, to pursue whatever business idea I always had. And when my brother was trying to help me figure out the name, he always asked me, like, what's the bigger vision? Like, you got to think bigger than just volleyball, because if it's just volleyball, that's fine. But it sounds like you want to do something more with that. And for me, I always felt like volleyball and training and drum lessons and whatever I was teaching at the time was always just a language through which I could empower people to become the best versions of themselves. Mm. And for me, I was obsessed with jump training at the time, um, coaching, and I just felt like elevate yourself was one way to communicate that not only are you jumping higher, but you're improving anything you're working at, but specifically who you are as a person. Um, so to me, I always found it very gratifying when you have that light bulb of like, wow, I just achieved something I didn't think was possible. And I'm sure you see that so often, you know, when you coach camps and it's life-changing for a lot of people, you know, for me, it was definitely life-changing. So that kind of started off just as a private coaching business. And then similar to what your, your reason for creating a YouTube channel, it was just to supplement my clients because when I would write them programs, uh, I'd. I didn't want to always have to answer questions and a hundred emails of like, how low should I go on a squat? Like my knees, they're not, you know, whatever angle, how do I improve my ankle mobility? So I just created a, a lot of jump training tutorials in the beginning so that I would just send them links and I would give them a library as part of my program and say, make sure you watch these videos first for reference before asking me a question. And then that started so picking smart. up some traction. And then um, I would include me playing volleyball as ways to to improve mechanics like jumping mechanics and then somehow people started requesting like hey well can you teach me how to spike then i was like sure so then i i started creating these tutorials um just just to help people it was just for fun like i had no idea that you could monetize youtube at the time oh you started and then okay. once i had a nice so life, you didn't know that yeah. you could monetize you were just doing it as a as a value add for your training clients yeah. which i would recommend anybody who's doing any service th just throw up a few videos so that they could watch yeah. it or re-engage with you in another way while you're not physically present on the phone with them texting I, I don't care what business it is find another avenue for them to learn or or get benefits from you is what i advise but okay so keep going yeah add value i mean that's exactly it like i i want it's not like everything was like super good hearted. I mean, I tried to be a good person, but I love to make money. So it was really just to make sure I could spend more time training more people to make more money. Answering less questions means more time training more clients. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I met um, Josh Brina. Um, I don't know if you know his his YouTube channel. So he's one of the OG volleyball jump training um, YouTubers. He's also a local guy and actually coached him for a little bit in high school. But he had a natural 40-inch vertical. And Gosh. he came to me, like, pretty injured. And um, he's like, you know, I'm tired of getting injured. And I love volleyball. How do I, you know, work on those aspects? So I, I did a four-week training block. And he improved his vertical in four, four inches in just four weeks. So he went from, like, a 40-inch vertical natural to, like, 43 or 44 Yikes. when we tested him. 
and he was already doing some training on his own, but I, I helped him get started with that aspect and, and showed him a structure. And now he's very knowledgeable on his own. I mean, he's increased his vertical even more. Um, but he was the one that helped me get started because he was already getting paid at the time. Do you know how insane and a 40 inch vertical is? Like, natural. People don't understand that. They say, like, oh, yeah, 40 inch vertical, 40 inch vertical. It's insane. There might be yeah. maybe three guys on the avp who have a 40 inch maybe and these are the top jumpers uh-huh gosh that's crazy yeah and then then he pops even more after your program awesome yeah okay yes yeah that was just from like probably just some neural activation and and proving some mechanics and you know be helping to be able to land with less injury so when you absorb more force your body wants to produce more force safely um, so, and he told me he, he, cause he had a channel at that time was just uploading a lot of highlight videos. Um, he had a really cool editing style and he said, yeah, I make some money off of YouTube. Um, and to me, I was like, wait, you can make money off of YouTube. So then I thought, oh, maybe this is another opportunity to generate income. So started uploading videos and that eventually just blew up over time after a year, it was like a. The overnight success took about three years. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Before the income was was dependable. Yeah. Um, and then then kind of the YouTube channel became about 50% of the focus of the company. Um, and then from there, the other half was volleyball camps, leagues, tournaments, um, private lessons, things like that. So that's where it was in the middle. And then now the company, I would say, is about... 30% of three categories. Mm -hmm. So 30% um, coaching aspect, 30% content creation, and then 30% um, online programs. Nice. Um, actually, yeah. Now, right now, the small, uh, I would say the affiliate programs are probably around 10% of the revenue, about five to 10% of the revenue, but the major distribution are those three aspects. So that's essentially what Elevate is as a business. I have a question for you as, as far as the, the YouTube goes. Uh, at what point, how many years or months after uploading your first video with that knowledge, knowing like, oh wait, uh, there can be money made on it. Were you or are you yet making a at least a minimum wage income from youtube ads because ours i mean currently we're in april which is one of the times where it starts popping and yeah i 100 percent know yeah i've dedicated five years to this and spent lots of money on photographers and video editors we're getting 523 dollars a month this month so it's nothing but it what now i realize is that okay we've created a thing that actually supports us so it's forever marketing for us and that's mm -hmm. that's given us the popularity to be able to run big camps and do our online programs but to say that we make money from youtube youtube is a hundred percent a losing prospect for us the only thing that it has done has been marketing but pretty expensive marketing not gonna lie yeah. so at, at what point or or if at all did it create at least a minimum wage yeah, I would say after year three did a lot of the steamrolling happen to where I was able to depend on it uh, be a little bit beyond minimum wage for a consistent source of income where I was actually able to plan my life where I was like, okay, how much do I need to, how much more do I need to teach? 
And I would say three years ago was when I started to transition teaching part-time. Okay. So my daytime job is a high school teacher uh, that allowed me time to coach summers off to develop content and train people and stuff like that. But I would say I really started backing down from that about four, yeah, four years ago when I started teaching part-time when things became a lot more significant. So YouTube out of all the, so I have my, at my daytime job, which is now part-time, I would say YouTube is around probably like 30% of that. So my teaching salary right now is 30 to 40%. And then YouTube, specifically YouTube income ad revenue, about 30%. And then the middle 20 to 30% is affiliates, um, online programs and in-person coaching. So at this point, it's it's livable, but I haven't made the move to go full-time and quit my daytime job. Um, I was actually planning to do that this coming year because things were a continued trend upward, um, but the economy is not looking too hot. It's a little shaky, um, right? And, it's like, let's hustle for yeah, a few and, more years. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I generally have a really high risk appetite. Like I can handle a lot of risk. I can live on Cheerios and live in a garbage can if I if that means getting me closer to where I want to get to. Uh, my wife is on the opposite. She's incredibly supportive of my business, but um, she is a lot more conservative in that aspect. And you know, being married, the biggest change for me is like it's not about me only. It's about us. So I have to be really thoughtful about knowing how my decisions impact another person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's been the best decision to just maybe get one more year of teaching and really build the business even more. And then I could probably go full time in about a year. Right. Uh, when you're approaching, so we've got a, the ad income when, when that became at least uh, close to minimum wage, how many subscribers did that take you? Do you know how many videos you had posted at that time? And now I know, you know, a, a lot of like this Sean Connell, if, if you see his from Think Media, uh, giant YouTube channel, he talks yeah. about amount of subscribers is a complete uh, vanity metric, which I don't know. You need at least a thousand on YouTube to be able to start earning money. And then the mm-hmm. number one thing that that earns you uh, ad income is watch time because it allows yeah. people to insert ads over yours. And if people don't watch your videos for long, ads don't have a chance to run, which means no one's paying for your videos. So for those of yeah. you who are, are new to YouTube, you need at least a thousand subscribers uh, and you need watch time. So even if you just hired a thousand people to subscribe, but nobody's watching, you still can't earn anything because they need interest and they need to be glued to your video. So for you, mm-hmm. um, about what subscribership, or do you remember the watch time that you had then? And you said 600,000 now, do you know what your watch time is now? Um, when I was able to make at least minimum wage, like consistently each month, um, I would say probably around the 80,000 to 90,000 subscriber mark but it was mainly due to only a few videos. Hmm. So I had probably a couple hundred videos lined up. I'm probably more than that. Um, A couple hundred. Yeah. A couple hundred videos. Now they weren't all tutorial videos because that's when I started posting games of me playing at at our local men's volleyball league. 
which were very modest in performance. Um, but it was a few key videos. Like one of them was this Norseka video I had a chance to record. So there was a semi-professional league that um, was started by um, USA Volleyball. Um, and it's called the PVL. And so I was on a PVL team. And they would combine our PVL tournaments with Norseka and like junior boys nationals to try to get viewership from all three. So by chance, I happened to record one of those games and there were eight going on total between like Canada, USA, Cuba, and Mexico. Um, And that video, for whatever reason, it just went crazy. Like right now it has 14 million views. Oh my God. But that video alone, I think probably has, I mean, it probably generated over $10,000 total just from that video. From you, and then from that video, <laughs> I'm not going to say attracted. from you just like setting up a camera and and doing nothing because you had the, you know, hundreds of other videos already. So I think yeah. I think the last time we talked, you mentioned that once they hit that video, then they saw the rest of your videos because if they spent yeah. time watching it, now they're into your ecosystem and and YouTube feeds them your other videos, which they're like, yeah. oh man, super valuable stuff, but they didn't find yeah. it until. You, you drew them in with a with a men's match <laughs> yeah Crazy. yeah and from there they directly clicked on links to my tutorial videos because like oh this looks cool maybe i want to learn how to do it um and then that was also gained a lot of international reach because it was a international event and i kick myself all the time because i had an iphone 5 and it was i was only recording it at 720p because i didn't have a good so i recorded that and i just I, I I captured like the perfect angle um, just because I thought, well, this would be a cool angle to watch at. But I imagine if I recorded seven, all eight matches, <laughs> maybe <laughs> what would have happened? Maybe or the algorithm would have, you know, been one yeah. tick away. I mean, uh-huh. sure, kick yourself, but just be stoked that it that it hit so many people attempt yeah. to chase the the virality and i know that that we're kind of in that spot it's like you know i feel like i'm a pretty boring teacher we'd love to be more entertaining and pull people in like like you said like get a match get something that people just want to enjoy our channel for years was only hey you want to learn but Mm. people really inherently they don't want to learn they they want to be (laughs) entertained and then the hungry ones that will actually pay because you've cast such a big net that allows everybody now through your entertainment, you've caught a bunch of your nice learners that, that might actually yeah. pay for a program, um, which is, it's, this is also a very different methodology than like uh, the traditional, like be a TikToker and just dance on camera. That's pure entertainment. And that's again, yeah. why somebody who's teaching nothing and knows nothing can still make a million dollars just by mm-hmm you know being entertaining but yeah that's not the avenue that i want to chase i actually want to give somebody value not numb their minds yeah yeah exactly yeah so that was the inflection point on my channel just below hundred thousand subscribers now i do know of other creators that their inflection point was at five thousand or ten thousand like especially for these finance channels Mm. You, they make so much money on not a lot of it just because the, the the ad revenue per click is so much higher. Um, and 
people who watch finance are usually looking to watch the entire video because it's pertinent to their life. It's like life threatening, right? They don't understand this. They're not, they're going to make a poor financial decision for, for volleyball like us. It's optional. It's like, Oh, I could, I could watch this on my lunch break and then click out of it. Like people who are looking for financial information are, are pretty already at a, at a pretty important point of their life where they're ready to make a decision. Could you explain uh, what, what you mean by cost per click for anyone who doesn't know? Sure. So um, there's a, a really cool metric on a lot of these platforms and for YouTube specifically, they take an average of, so you have the ad company, you have YouTube, then you have the creator. The ad company pays YouTube to put ads on your video. And if someone clicks on the ad, then you get a, a split commission. So if YouTube pays 55%, I think at the time to the creator. So maybe McDonald's wants to put an ad for on your video and they'll say for every click, we'll give you $1. Um, YouTube takes 45 cents, you take 55 cents. And so that is going to be per that. Um, and then there's another metric where it's cost per thousand views, which is another really cool metric. Um, I don't know what my, I think mine might be, I haven't looked at it in a long time. And we're in a, we're in a, <laughs> unfortunately, like w whether you want to call us intelligent or not, uh, volleyball and definitely beach volleyball are pretty low on the cost per click because there yeah. aren't a lot of companies that are making significant levels of money to the point where it would be even worth them paying $50 if somebody could just see their website, click on their ads. Yeah. Right. That's what they're yeah. chasing. They're just like, can we get somebody interested enough to get to our website? And if you're an yeah. insurance company or like you said, financial industry, those companies will pay big bucks just to get somebody to click and then they can yeah. follow them through cookies for the rest of their life. Um, yeah. So they just needed that little lead. Volleyball, beach volleyball, they, like you said, aren't people don't feel like they're life-threatening necessities and for companies who are trying to sell stuff what's the most that you could spend in volleyball you know a thousand dollars on a net system and <laughs> i don't think people who are shopping for net systems are really watching highlight videos they would they would go for that but either way there's two net system makers in the in the country probably yeah right so they don't have yeah. a lot of competition anyway so we've in my mind, I am like looking at myself past self and going, not crazy smart, but you followed your heart <laughs> because beach volleyball yeah. is not a high cost per click type thing. So if you are chasing this, yeah, you can make money. Yeah, you can do full time. But if you're thinking about just wanting to get into YouTube and make content, I would say, number one, you have to know that it's going to take time and you have to be passionate mm -hmm. enough about it to do it in the dark with no money for three years before anything ever happens. Yeah. And then two secondary, are you choosing a segment of people that companies would pay big bucks to have your ad on? And that could be a faster way to get gross revenue. I would say, yeah. would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. And I think the angle to take to is thinking broader from your discipline and what related 
businesses can you take advantage of? So nutrition companies, right? Nutrition and exercise equipment in general, there's always great ways to tie it in. Like one video I know I can always bank on that's going to make money from ads is just how to jump higher. Like that topic never gets old. And you look at the companies that are paying for ads. It's, it's weightlifting equipment, gym memberships, all that stuff. Mm. That is a much bigger, more lucrative industry and nutrition companies um, other than just specific volleyball. So that's also helped me choose affiliate. Like one of my most recent business partners that I've I've chosen this year is Ghost Sleeves, which is a athletic sleeve company. Okay. So they actually make sleeves mainly for runners and CrossFit athletes. But I just had a chance to try them on and I love them. And so we're in the works of trying to adopt them for volleyball athletes, but we've already sold so many units through my affiliate link just because I one, I I promote them as products just for overall health. Like I even wear them when I'm coaching because I don't know if like I coach, I get more sore from coaching than I do playing. Just standing is brutal. We did, <laughs> uh, we did a, a whoop assessment. So Brandon, uh, you know, our partner, he, he wore a whoop during coaching and then wore one for his actual pro AVP two hour practice. Uh -huh. He burned like 50% more calories coaching than he did during uh -huh. his own training and we go uh -huh. oh this is why i never won an avp <laughs> this is crazy yeah so just like finding different angles um and and i i think people definitely connect with authenticity and i'm, I'm not saying like we want to trick our audience to believe in us and then sell them anything um but i i've learned that if I started a channel just purely from jump training, I'm always, I always ask myself, like, why the heck do people watch me? I'm not the best player in the world. Like I'm, I'm not the most animated. And I remember when I first started my channel, I, my friends would criticize me so much and say, you're so monotonous. You need to be more animated. And I'm like, that's just not me. Like I, I try, I would try it. And I just feel like a fool. I feel like a cartoon. And so I think people really, really connect with authenticity. And then once you connect with them, then any product you do promote, of course, like people are going to want willing to try it out. But I think that would probably be the best angle for people that are kind of streamlining a specialty um, to kind of broaden their scope beyond their discipline, but that's related to what they're they're uh, promoting. So I have a real serious question. The when you're making the choice between because you, you have your YouTube channel. And you have mm -hmm. online programs uh, and now you have volleyball camps that are coming up this summer. It's awesome guys. If you, if you do want to sign up for some of his volleyball camps and, and these are just, uh, it's 30 minutes South of San Francisco, right? These are, and these yeah. are indoor camps. Is that right? Yeah. Indoor volleyball camps. Okay. Uh -huh. And we could go to elevateyourself.org to find those. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. So it, you have all of those. What, what does your brain have to go through to say, I would rather sell somebody else's affiliate link and dedicate a video to that, or I could spend the same amount of energy into uh, in investing another video that would sell my program. Because for us, mm -hmm. we started doing the affiliate road and I started questioning everything. And I said, wait a second, we don't even know how to sell our own stuff yet. And we're mm -hmm. trying to sell everybody else's. And I completely and 100% eliminated all sales for anybody else, all partnership chases, and said, we cannot be valuable 
to another company until we completely and 100% know ourselves. And mm. so we made that call and still I say, all right, it takes me some resources, time and money to be able to create a video. Why would I, why would I not put that towards selling one of my programs or camps? Why would I give it to another company? So could you, I don't know, just talk about that decision-making for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And if, let me correct me if I misunderstand the, the, the question. So you're asking, I have my own services. How do I decide between selling some, like promoting someone else's product and my own, if there's like a conf conflict of interest? Yeah. Or even not a conflict. There's a, a conflict of your time because say it takes mm. you five hours to film and edit a video. Yeah. Would you rather use that five hours to, to, try as hard as you can to get somebody to buy your programs or to get somebody to buy somebody else's shoes or um squat rack you know uh, i see okay i think i understand now yeah yeah i i naturally always think how much am i making per hour doing whatever i'm doing so if i'm making a video and it's taking me five hours but i know it's not going to kill it like maybe it's only going to do i don't know make 30 bucks for example from youtube ad revenue cost per hour, six bucks an hour versus training a client. So I, I charge for private lessons, I charge $200 an hour. So like, okay, well, I can make more than that just from training one. I try to weigh out what's the long-term benefit. And so there's three things I think about hourly costs, the most immediate impact. Um, what's that going to take? Is there a long-term benefit to that? And then also, um, do I need this to feed my soul so I can continue to be passionate and and the person that I need to be where people want to buy stuff from me? Like people are like, I'm, I'm selling myself essentially, right? Yeah. So like one, so <laughs> people, at, I don't know if you've ever seen my ancient volleyball technique videos. No, yeah, but now I want I got to send you a link. So <laughs> okay. when I edit videos. And I'm sure you experienced this when you started editing your own videos. Never. I have you, never edited you, you, one of my videos. I hate it. It's, oh, really? No, it's a, it's a, it's a strong hatred for it. And so that's why oh, like, I get it. I've, you know, I constantly questioned how much I was putting into this because I was paying 30, 40, 50, 60, and then sometimes a hundred bucks an hour. And you're just like, yeah, this better have some kind of long-term benefit. But it, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's why we got Jake in the background. I don't like editing for sure at all <laughs> you know another business tip for that that you're already practicing is if you can find someone else to do a better job so you can spend your time doing higher quality thinking and decision making you should always try to do that mm. that's always going to pay dividends if you can afford it so that's that's great definitely found that that's easier to say and understand like easier to say than it is to understand and carry out because that was something yeah. first year of business people told me and i was like yeah 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 and then only in the last two years have i gotten a real tight grasp on that um mm. and now i'm trying to tell my brother who's got a, a coffee business and a few other people who are just starting their businesses go like no 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 you're not going to be the one writing that email or you're not going to be the one doing that i go have somebody look over your shoulders if you want to do it the first three times cool but make sure that there's somebody over your shoulders and you're talking out loud while you're doing it saying why you're doing yeah. it because they have to do it the next time uh -huh. um, and that's you know uh, me, me and jake uh, our producer have, have worked pretty well with that but only because i finally understood this in the last two years i don't want to go and 
ask people on Instagram or through email, hey, can we meet? What time can we meet? Blah, 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 blah. I don't want to yeah. edit uh, podcasts or, or create nuggets because I suck at it. It takes uh-huh. me hours to come out with a D minus project, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well. Definitely. So one, so ancient volleyball techniques for those listeners who've been part of my channel for a while, I, I used to edit video, all my stuff in the beginning. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed editing videos, but as you're editing videos, you, you stare at the screen for so long that you capture these weird moments. Like I remember and things that people usually wouldn't put in a volleyball video. So for example, I found someone picking their nose, like just in, in the corner, right? Not even related. And then there are these moments where like the ball is being served and then hits like the back of the knee and the knee kind of wobbles funny. It just looks so weird. So I created this compilation of videos called ancient volleyball techniques, like these really weird things. Um, or like something looked like a, a Mortal Kombat fatality. Like I remember someone happened to, you know, like a bang bang volleyball play where like someone digs it, then there's someone chicken wings, and then someone has to react and like uppercuts the ball and then magically goes over. Yeah. It's just like weird moments like yeah. that. It's stuff you wouldn't put in a highlight video, but those are like my favorite lowlights. So I remember synchronizing someone's uppercut with like a Mortal Kombat fatality <laughs> uppercut. And it was just, and like, I find, I just thought those are the funniest things. And those videos would always get like below 5,000 views uh-huh. and would take me seven, six or seven hours to edit. Cause you, you just have to make it perfect to really get the joke across. But that would just make me so happy for the entire week <laughs> that I just had limitless energy to train 10 more clients. So that was the huh. cost benefit for that one. That fed my soul. Okay. That's <laughs> fun. We got a, we got an editor like that, Chad, who so much of his work doesn't do much for us, but he goes, it's so sick. And like, he loves it. (laughs) You come out and you do look at it and you go, this is awesome. Yeah. Now that you're happy, let's, let's try to create something that (laughs) teaches or sells. Um, but I'm happy to have him because I don't feel like I have that type of creativity. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the entertainment creativity, I get an idea. I can say it vocally, you know, but for me to then figure out a way to go and grab a meme or a video, put letters on it, and then post it, yeah. not my flavor. Yeah. No, I get it. So I would say 50% of the decisions are always what's going to pay the bills now. So okay. what are the minimum number of clients I need to train to pay the bills? And what videos need to be made that are going to get high viewership and low editing hours? Mm. And then whatever is left over from there, I kind of play around with, well, what's going to be a long-term benefit that might pay off three years from now or two years from now? And then what can I really play around with and just simply have fun? And so I got to make sure that the bills are paid first and then whatever's left over, then we think about long-term projects and then the fun stuff after that. So that's kind of how I I navigate my decision-making. Okay. But it's still, how do you predict, you know, let's just say that, you want to create a program where I, I, you know, I don't know the number. So you get 100 bucks if you sell a squat rack. So you want to do a, let's just say a squat rack review and, and how it relates to vertical jump and volleyball players, or yeah. you want to get five clients over time from, from a video. 
which decision are you making? Because they can be similar videos, like teaching about uh, mm -hmm. squat racks or, um, or or jumping, same editing hours, you know, or similar yeah. editing hours. So how how do you allow yourself to to sell somebody else's thing, or do you just want to say, I I need a a diverse universe of income, so it helps me to get a relationship with somebody else and I haven't done one in a while, or I haven't done a recommendation video in a while. I, I, I'm asking because I personally just struggle with it. I personally just like, yeah. I wish we could do great affiliate marketing, mm -hmm. but I, I don't think we're doing a good enough job of getting our own thing done yet. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say the, what you said about having a, a diverse stream of income, um, because what I found is that things that make the immediate money, if I focus too much on that all the time, mm -hmm. there is no residual and like things get very, it's kind of, I operate too much with a sense of urgency because if I don't have the clients, then like the money stops. Yeah. So I, I do try to s somehow just trust that having all aspects are going to eventually pay off over time eventually. So I have my immediate money now, something long-term. And even if it's a, a competing product, um, I, I think that like one thing I'm a, a belief in for whenever people ask me about jump training, actually, I'm happy to promote other people's products that I believe in, like PGF performance, mm -hmm. um, project uh, PPA. And I think people appreciate that one that gets more trust, because when I can be honest and say, hey, you should also get this guy's program. I think long term, when you get the reputation that you just are always going to create authentic material and the things you do are going to be good, then also I think that creates trust where people are eventually going to buy your programs anyway. Hundred percent. And I, I think even so, with that, like it's why I always you know also promote Sam Pedlo, um, the 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 strength. Oh my God, how's his name slipping me? But um, the volleyball strength coach. Um, I send people to your channel, and it's at especially for workout programs people just naturally get bored of the same workout program. So yeah. if you just give them a good vibe, at some point they're going to make their rounds of all of the volleyball players, vertical jump programs, you know, yeah. because we're, we're all heavily in there on Instagram. So we're always going to be present of mind and all right, I did that one for, for last season. I want to try a new one. You know, mm -hmm. they naturally get bored. They shouldn't really basics always still work, but, it's, it's a fact of life. So just yeah. give them a good vibe and tell them who you would trust. If you didn't have your own program, it becomes a good relationship. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, now Jake's telling me you're finally <laughs> building your team. We went opposite routes on this, right? You did everything on your own early, uh, in terms of, in terms of content creation. I am still fighting daily to say, I want to show up in front of a camera, have somebody ask me questions or talk to somebody and that's it. Don't even want to like test volume yeah. or, or press record. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so we went opposite on the content creation, but now you're creating a team. So tell me about your first hire and, and when and, and why. Yeah. So I, I wish I would have created a team earlier. And I think I was 
the one one of the few moments where I was afraid of the growth and and the risk in the beginning was probably so let's see five years ago was when the income became significant enough from YouTube ad revenue for me to start thinking like okay I can either hire somebody or I can grow and just take it for myself and just enjoy the extra income. Cause at that time I was saving up for a house. Mm. Um, I was living in a condo that I bought and then I was like, well, let's, I want to, and then I got married like, you know, seven years ago. So a lot of these big life changes. Um, but I definitely should have made that move earlier because I was my own. I don't know what you call that. I was my own. It's a very common uh, analogy for, Bottleneck. Okay, there you yeah. go. Thank you. <laughs> I know it well. I was my own bo- <laughs> and like I was my own bottleneck because I was like, I, 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 if I can, you know, the the way you start a, a lot of successful businesses is doing everything yourself because then you know you just it's just cheap and you learn the business in and out, but that quickly becomes a bottleneck because you can only do so many hours per day, right? So I would say I was my own bottleneck for probably prior to my first hire, probably two years where the business wasn't really growing as fast as I knew it could. And it just came, it just became more about making videos versus creating new concepts, new projects. Like I only had one program at the time and I knew I wanted to publish so many more training programs. I wanted to start a podcast, but I just couldn't because I hadn't made sure I pumped out videos. So Do you have a, podcast la- a year now? and a half. Was Do that you have a podcast now? Not yet. Oh, okay. No. No. So that was, that's kind of one of the many projects um, that haven't started yet, but still trying to get, still trying to get my staff kind of self-sufficient. If you, if you want, um, uh, after this and anybody else, if you want to contact me, but uh, I worked on it with my brother as well. Me and Jake created our like zero to 100 step-by-step process for, okay. uh, getting somebody from inviting them to getting them when to show up, to signing up for Calendly so that the appointments are auto-booked and they get text reminders and email reminders and, yeah. and everything. So uh, if you want, I could share that with you off the show. We have our top to bottom, like step-by-step, extremely detailed list for every tool we have. And uh, yeah, and, and, and the whole process. So if you're going down that route, I think it could be a nice little quicker cheat code. Um, if you're interested for sure and I'm, you've already got a really good thing going so this is the the test has already been completed so i appreciate the offer i'll, I'll definitely take you up on that when when that time comes cool. so a year and a half ago i had my first video editor and i was so nervous because like who do i hire do i go to fiverr and test out somebody and then hire someone permanently uh, do i put on craigslist whatever and i at that time um I was interacting more with Victoria Garrick. Yeah. So she was, her channel was more volleyball oriented before she became full fledged um, body image, self help stuff, which is great if you have a chance to check out her channel, Victoria Garrick. Um, but we had a chance to do some collaborations and her business was booming. Like she was just growing so fast. It's huge now. And she's got full, like four or five full time people working for her. Um, and I asked her, like, how did you get your first hire? Because your team is just on point. I had a chance to schedule like you did with Jake. I was like, it was such a great experience when I scheduled with her. It was like so streamlined. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, I she recommended hiring from within. 
And she says, even kind of like what you did with Jake, like whether most likely you can probably go to an agency or something like that, where these people are going to be super polished. They're going to get like a very good product out, but if they don't care for your brand, they're not going to grow with you. Right. It's not to say they're bad people, but they're kind of be one and done move on. And so try reaching out to your audience. So that's what I did. I put out an advertisement saying, you know, we're looking for a video editor and we got 150 applications for video editor. It was nuts. And I had to, I, I continued to get more. So probably a total of 200 total. I put a post on Instagram and YouTube. And so it was such a fun and exhilarating process to watch uh, like 150 applications of video content of people creating samples. Cause I created some guidelines. Like I, I uploaded some raw footage and I said, make a 30 second vlog based on this. Oh, we, um, we did that the, the exact same way. I, okay. I run my video editor tests by here's some raw video, do yep. something sick with it. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. It. And sometimes uh -huh. I've run, I've run it paid and sometimes I've, I've just run it for free, like a tryout process. But yeah, do you remember the, how you worded the post? Was it as simple as, cause this is what I do. It, it, it can be as simple as I'm looking for somebody who absolutely can annihilate Google AdWords and knows volleyball, volleyball players and volleyball languages. Um, that's it. You know, D DM yeah. me if you, if you want to talk further and then I, yeah. I give them what their responsibilities would be. But it, yeah. did you do it the same? Was it so simple to just post to your network? Um, easy. We need a video editor or what did you say in that ad? So to say, yeah, I remember I put it in two categories. I said, looking for a video editor to edit my videos. And then I put, um, professional standards first you know, responds within a day, like just, I mean, basic to us, but probably not to a lot of people, <laughs> you know, can communicate in a considerate way, um, willing to make, take risks, um, things like that. And then I put technical standards proficient in um, Final Cut Pro or Premiere or something like that. And then um, instructions for how to submit the resume. So it was pretty objective. And then maybe the opening statement was with some emojis and something more fun. But then after that, it was all business and then instructions on where to email it. And then when people email the re resume, I remember 50 of them I didn't even look at because they didn't follow instructions. And I don't want to spend my time having to always remind someone how to do something really simple. Mm -hmm. And I, I do that on purpose because it's not that I'm trying to play tricks on people, but I have, say, list your resume in this order. And if they can't do that or if they don't name the file name, in a professional way, like if it's just, hey, you know, right? um, that, you know, I, I want to, my goal is to try to create habits within the company that can scale and good habits are always going to scale better. So that cut out half the resumes pretty easily. I do and something then within the, uh, to, really similar, but I like somewhere in the middle of like the two, three or fourth paragraph, I go, yeah. make sure you respond to me uh, with the word knife you know just like anything just the so that works. i know that you actually read it and anybody and i still yeah. do it like with the people who work for me i'll i'll hide it in there yeah. and i go hmm you used to be detail oriented now you're getting lazy so now we gotta have a conversation uh, uh -huh. so it's, that's something that i that i still do <laughs> so if you guys ever uh, get a letter from me you better read <laughs> yeah yeah i, I get that because it's you want you want to attract people that are going to 
be detoriented, yes. right? And I, I've and I put up front that like in the beginning, I'm not able to pay you that much, but if you stick with me, I'll make sure as we grow, you're going to grow financially with the company, right? You're either going to get raises, you're going to get bonuses, things along those lines. And because my goal is, I want people that care about the brand. And so, first couple hires were exactly that. Um, so my first hire uh, was really great in terms of the video editing, um, very easy to work with. And then once I got the taste of that freedom to just do other things, I kind of went nuts. Then I went on a hiring spree. I hired like three more people. Um, so I scaled too fast. And that's when I realized like, shoot, I can't, I actually ha don't even have time to train these people. And so I had to answer a lot of same questions. We ran into a lot of same problems. Um, so I had to scale back a little bit. So now we have one full-time and three part-time staff. Okay. So now I can actually have time to review their work and train them. And now they're pretty self-sufficient uh, for the most part. How did you decide on their pay skills? Because I know what, you know, we had one person who uh, I was very upfront with what I could pay her. And I was like, you know, this is what I expect. And then hopefully if it works out, it becomes a full-time thing. And then two different people said, oh, well, average average for this uh, this role is $108,000. And I go, what do you think I am? Like, I, I understand <laughs> what the average for that role is, but yeah, you see the business. Like, you've seen every backside of it. There's no way that I could possibly afford that unless you've shown me that in your one-month tryout, you brought in 50 Gs. Like, yeah, cool. <laughs> then, yeah. yeah, I'll pay you. But people will ask for these things that you're just going – there's there's a clear lack of understanding of small business versus corporations yeah. um and those pay skills no they don't they don't line up but I, i'll always pay people what they're worth what they're earning and because i just love working with them increase but then there's also yeah i you know i think some of my roles have been overstepped like you where i wanted to grow 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 and it's i hoped one of my advisors cautioned me against this. I just didn't listen to him. Uh, but I paid people more than I than our income could sustain mm -hmm. with the hopes yeah. that they would create that revenue instead of yeah. we had the revenue uh, to afford that. And yeah. now, now we have to backstep, which is, it, it kills me in my heart. Um, but at the same time, you have to grow and you have to you have to earn your spot. This is this is sports. This is business. You gotta yeah. earn your spot, and yeah, that's that's where we're going right I, now. I went through something identical this past year. So one thing that was crazy was the high Q videos. Have you done any? Have you watched any of the high Q videos? I finally took your advice from four years ago, um, and we put out one reaction video. Uh, uh -huh. It was the most fun that I've had just sitting here talking. And then we have another one filmed with me and my wife. And we did it in a way where since she doesn't play a lot of volleyball, I explained to her like it was part of my history along the way. Yeah. And she asks mm -hmm. really good questions because she's not, she knows enough about volleyball, but not also not yeah. enough about volleyball. So that one's coming out in a, in a few weeks. But um, 
No, we didn't really capture Haikyuu Nation yet, like you did. <laughs> okay, it, it'll, it'll catch. I'll, I'll try to send some traffic. I, send me the link to that video. I'll try to send some traffic, but okay. it's it's an, it's a crazy audience that's highly loyal, and the watch time is like 60 to 70% of the video. It is nuts. Gosh. Yeah, the retention is super high with this crowd. Mm. For like a 30-minute video, it's, it's pretty nice. So... That was another inflection point of the business. It was like a perfect storm between pandemic where people at home, um, companies still had good marketing um, because they knew people were at home and then Q. So the ad revenue doubled just from the Q videos. How many videos did it take? And, uh, like you put reaction videos out, basically you're, you're watching a highly edited and shaded um, part of that video so you don't get the copyright strike, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, uh -huh. and how many videos did it take for them to just Haikyuu Nation to go on fire with it? I think just that first one, because the fans were bugging me for so long. <laughs> okay. Like they, I, I just had, and I think because the, the Norseka video from six years prior to that, a lot of Haikyuu fans. So that's when Haikyuu just came out. Mm -hmm. So that was that perfect storm. Okay. A really cool video. Haikyuu fans there, they started there, then they stayed on my channel and they kept bugging me about Haikyuu. And then I, I think also because maybe because I'm Asian and a volleyball player, there's like an association with anime, whatever. I don't, maybe there's just some something. Even so, <laughs> I see Sarah Pavin uh, and Sarah Pavin Shoji. Um, they're they've got what six seasons of reaction videos, and yeah, all of those they're easy to make. Because you don't have to put in all the creativity. You just press pause and, and talk for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. But pretty. that's right now like the highest value <laughs> in terms of making a video that that we can think of. So we're, we're doing it. It is. Yeah. So when I, so that doubled the revenue for like almost two years, pretty much. It took me two years to watch four seasons. And I just thought, oh, this gravy chain is going to keep going. But then season five never came out. And that's when it ended. And then there was still some good um, residual from a lot of the original videos. But eventually, it went back down to almost the same prior to that. Like, it's still a little bit higher than before. Um, but I made a lot of my decisions based on those two years. Huh. So I hired, I scaled people to full-time too quickly. Um, and then over time, I, we end, I ended up spending more than I was making. And that was a pretty pretty scary period. And on top of that, my Facebook page, which was starting to get a good amount of income, got deleted for some copyright stuff that I that they didn't have a good appeal process. They still don't. And so we we have yeah, they lost our Facebook ads um, for, for oh. four weeks now. We oh, got man. booted from Instagram for another copyright. They don't have a good appeals process. Um, yeah, we lost our YouTube channel three months ago for I think two weeks, and you're just like. This is all a nightmare, and this is why I encourage everybody to go on multiple platforms. Whatever you yes, record, diversify. throw it. And I see that – I don't know if you've been doing it for a while, but I see that that you're definitely doing it now where I see a lot more of, of you on Instagram and your videos. And I'm like, nice. Mm -hmm. Good. He, he's brought it over here. Um, but, yeah, you've – now we're even growing two Instagram channels at the same time. So we're just doing twin posts. Because yeah, just in case, yeah, if you're going to put that energy in, all it is is copy paste. 
Um, yeah. And one of them will get eliminated so long as it's under a different email address. At least you still got something. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. So that's the, the tragedy of scaling too quickly. Um, so I had to convert a lot of them to part-time, which was tough. Um, and then uh, we had to scale back our pay scale and our bonus structure um, to where until we started increasing again, we had to stop some of the bonuses that, which I really wanted to give our employees because I try to reward them when they, especially since I'm not paying them the corporate standard. I want to make sure that at least I'm rewarding them in some capacity, but that's the best part about what Victoria Garrick talked to me about was hiring from within. Like people really want to just be a part of your company because they care about what you do. And for them, that's going to be the ultimate motivation. And I'll, I'll never take advantage of that. Like I won't say, Hey, I'm going to keep you down here because you care <laughs> type of thing. But during tough times like this, where financially it, we had to scale back there, they were so understanding about what that is. And I try to be transparent with our, our earnings. Uh, but I also gave them the promise that as soon as we start increasing, we're, we're bringing all that back. I'm giving bonuses again, and I want to make sure you, you, I'm going to pay you as well as we can to stay afloat and to continue to grow. Could you give, so that's where we're at right now. Could you give one example of a bonus? Um, what that individual or your company, is it based on what the individual or the company does? Um, and just one example of a incentive, um, whether you want to give a number or a surprise or something. So I, I, I had to, I did a lot of research on corporate structure in terms of what what habits do you want to build that you can apply to 20 30 40 employees in the future and so quarterly reviews is a pretty standard practice and it's a good way to check in with people um, and the way I, I conducted quarterly reviews was i try to make a two-way first i always ask them how can i be a better boss for you like what can i do to be better for you Good man and then then i give them my review of them and then we have a three-tier system where it's, it's below standard, it's meeting standard or exceeding standard. And your bonuses are based on those three metrics. And the metrics are pretty black and white. Like you are responding within 24 hours through messaging. Um, it takes less than two corrections to, to fix something. Um, and then the exceeding standard, <laughs> to fix one example is like, yeah. <laughs> or that, to fix something permanently, like to the point yes. where you don't have to do it again <laughs> another month later. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then an example of exceeding standard is um, solving own problems. Because um, I, I encourage them to reach out to me, but are, are tell me three solutions you tried first. And if you're doing that, I don't care if it fails, I want you to at least try. And so it's, if they below standard, they don't get a bonus. If they're meeting standard, it's eight times their hourly salary. And then if it's um, if it's exceeding standards, it's 16 times their hourly salary. Oh, so like one payment of eight times one hour or 16 times yeah. one hour. Yeah. And then That's... if they earn four quarters of what we call level three performance, mm-hmm. then they get a pay raise. And so incentivize them to try to get total. So maybe you got level three, one quarter, and then level two, another quarter. And we talk about how we can get you back to level three, then total every level three, then you get some type of raise. Okay. And so I try to create that type of pay structure um, for two, one to just reward, you know, great work. Yeah. Um, but to send, I just people work better with incentives, right? KPIs to me 
have been hard. We finally really have a good reliable system of what we need out of each person and what numbers mm -hmm. represent things for us. But even something like mm -hmm. SEO, um, search engine optimization, like how many people are landing on our page or one of our pages when they search, then diving into the abyss of what's the value of that. And then, okay, now how can I pay or bonus that has been very difficult on me. And at some yeah. point you just, just like the logo, <laughs> it's all right. This is what I think it would be incentivizing enough that I could still afford and it wouldn't hurt me or pain me to give it away where I thought that it was like a, a major loss, you know, that I, that I want to reward, but it doesn't, it also doesn't hurt me. And yeah, uh, we like our KPI system now. And uh, the same thing with, with, with Jake, our, our podcast producer, like we spent a lot of time working on how we were going to pay him because uh, we have not monetized our podcast. We have not monetized the other podcast, Entrepreneur Athlete, but I know I want it to grow and at some point it will. So we just set a standard of has to have this many downloads. Jake, do I care how you get people to listen to it? No, you just got to get people to listen to it. <laughs> Let me know all the ways that you tried. And if I come up with something more brilliant than you, cool, we'll implement it. Uh, and then uh, stuff that I don't enjoy doing as well, like searching out ads and sponsorships and like commercializing the, you know, uh, putting commercials onto it. I'm sure that there are networks and systems for podcasts that people, uh, you can just insert an automatic commercial. I didn't want to spend the four days researching that. So we just put a bonus structure into that. And if, if Jake hits a certain amount of downloads, certain amount of uh, ads revenue, and we make sure that we put out two podcasts a week, if we meet all of those, boom, then he's hit, you know, each one has a bounty and then uh, that's the level that he'll get paid. So it's completely and 100% performance-based, which to me as an athlete, as a coach, really fair. You yeah. know, and, and he knows that I'm, I'm not ignoring him and saying, there you go, throwing you into the fire. Like we have lots of conversations and texts and, yeah. um, and the training part and deciding on that, it's a lot of energy and time up front, but it's worth it if you hired from within and you already yeah. know that you like this person, like me and him had one dinner together and we instantly got along. So mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of wins there. For sure. And it prevents me from being a, a subjective jerk, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, here you go. The numbers are black and white. You hit it or you don't. And it's not it's not on me judging judging your performance. It's on the numbers judging the performance. So yeah, I'm a bit happier with where, compared to years ago, uh, all of our em employees and part-times and contractors have their KPIs. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I like that well, bonus structure, the eight or 16 times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know where I even got that from. I think I was just thinking, what would I feel like what I can afford? And then what would seem significant enough for me if I was working for somebody to feel like, okay, I got a nice, a really a decent pat on the back. Yeah. And, I, and to those bosses out there who are trying to figure that out, know that no matter how much you search and do things, you can search it. But at some point you're just going to have to decide 
yeah, I think that's reasonable. And if you overstep, two months later, three months later, you bring it back to the point of reasonable. Like, you're going to screw up, but put it into place, write it down, make sure everybody sees it. And if it's too little, it doesn't work as an incentive, um, or they're like, that's meaningless to me. All right, change it. If to you, it really hurt, make sure you stick to your word, give them the bonus, but let them know that we're changing the system. Every business yeah. has to change constantly. And if you don't change, you're just not growing, period. You know, so mm -hmm. employees, especially in small businesses, I think they have to be the ones that understand that, that you have to be constantly adaptable, just like any athlete. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing I'll add to that, to that payment structure is, is encouragement, affirmation, like sounds kind of cheesy, but I found a, a direct correlation with motivation, flexibility, understanding when I try to acknowledge the great things that my employees do as small as it, as it is like, Hey, thanks for the text. Thanks for the reminder on the upload or like, man, you really killed it in this edit here. And I do mean it. It's not just being facetious, but like those really go a long way. And I actually learned this from my dad as a business owner. So he owned a print shop. He couldn't pay his employees a lot. I mean, he paid them as well as he could. People had families and they supported themselves and things like that. But he had people that worked for him for like 15 or 20 or 30 years. And to me, that always blew my mind because growing up in a, in, a, in a big city, it's very normal to have turnover every two to five years, yeah. something like that. But he just had these people that were incredibly loyal. And during the, the, the last recession in 2008, he had to shut down an, a, one of his locations and he had to scale back a lot. And the amount of people that stuck with him by his side to still work at reduced hours, maybe reduced pay, to just you know hunker down during that time was incredible. And if he couldn't afford to give bonuses, I remember this one um, employee, he heard that his, his dryer, like his dryer broke. And so my dad somehow had a spare one. He just buys old stuff <laughs> and keeps it, right? He just gave him one. And then um, there's another person where he let them borrow like one of the, the company cars to, to, to use while their car got fixed. Um, he cooked, he likes to cook. So he cooked a lot of lunches for his employees and just always found ways to show his appreciation, um, you know, for the people that work for him. Mm. And I think that goes a long way. And I, I've never been a fan of like top-down leadership. Like ultimately the owners have need to have the final say and, and need to be firm when needed. But like when you make people feel like they're a part of the process and recognizing the, what they do, I think that goes such a long way. Do you ever feel bad about holding other adults as an adult to a standard when they're not getting it done to the level <laughs> that they need to? You know, because sometimes employees, like there's a separation, but sometimes employees become your friend and there has to be a, it's not getting done and it needs yeah. to get done this way because ultimately you as the employer, the entrepreneur are the one who's in charge of the vision steering the boat yeah. and if something's clunking along the way that mechanics got to fix it and yeah i do personally internally i struggle with it i think people think externally um i don't
but internally it's like, man, I feel bad, but this sucks. We got to go. Um, and so I have to then be honest. And so then I go back to, you know, the New York version of myself and I get real stern real quick. Uh, but in the good times when everything's going great and when people are doing what they should and beyond what they should, I'm all about high fives and chest bumps, you know, <laughs> but there has to be, I, I can't be everybody's buddy all the time. If this is going to be a successful yeah, endeavor. For sure. Do you struggle with that at all? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, fortunately, I've ha I haven't had to have a lot. Like mainly in the beginning, that's when most of those conversations I had as I'm training people. Um, but I think what the benefit of the encouragement is that it lays the groundwork for them to receive some of the criticism. And then having the structure of quarterly reviews gives the expectation like I am mentally ready to receive criticism because that's what the review is about. And then usually I have like, a, if I have to remind somebody like once or twice, then I'll kind of say, Hey, you know, this has been happening a little bit more. Can you make sure you stay on top of this? So I have been lucky that after some, that's probably the firmest it's had to get for my staff um, before it gets to that point. And I try to put a lot of things in writing um, so that, and I, I create like checklists for my employees just to, show that I'm, I'm trying to help them do their job well. So try to meet me halfway if I'm, if I'm assisting you in this manner. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, Donnie, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I do have some, just two, two more questions. Okay. And these are, sure. these are some of my favorite questions. Uh, first one is what do you think your biggest weakness or weaknesses are as a CEO, as the, the, you know, the pilot of that ship over there at elevate yourself. Uh, I'll say I, I can speak to my current weakness. It's prioritizing what is the most important thing that needs to get done. And like my mind is always going at a million miles per hour. I'm managing, you know, 10, 20 different ideas and projects in my head that I tend to just finish what is in the front of my mind first. And I need to do a better job of having a list prioritized in urgency and just knocking those out first and then leaving everything else in play. Cause then things just don't get done that way. Like the fun things get done first, yeah. or maybe the thing that's causing me the most anxiety, which is not the most important ends up getting done first, even though it's not even that important. Right. Mm. So I'll say that's my biggest weakness right now. I, I have that similar because you have your own business, right? So it's, you can literally take it any direction you want, <laughs> but yeah. you got to figure that out, which direction you're actually going to take it. So I started doing this list. I got a whiteboard uh, in my office bedroom studio here, and it's got anytime a good idea starts in here or I like attack 10% of it, I write it on the big list. But then I have this hard line at the top and I have today, mm. you know, and I just say, all right, what, what are the three? And I can all, I'm only allowed to write three things there in today. Ah, that's good. Um, and so then I can see from my list or anything that's going through my mind on that morning, what has to be done today, what's the most important thing today. And then I write it up there. And even if I finish one, you know, just, just crossing off markers on a whiteboard 
it feels so good. And then having it yeah. written somewhere permanently instead of bunches of paper, it kind mm -hmm. of puts my mind at ease that I won't forget about that project. Cause I think yeah. that's half the battle of like, you have all the projects in your mind that you don't want to forget are there. Yeah. For me, having it written down somewhere, knowing we're going to attack that. Maybe not, you know, today, maybe not next month or in a year, but that's one of the good ones that's going to get done at some point. It's just not necessary now. Um, yeah. So I, I like that. I like the three objectives up top and then the long list of ever never ending ideas on the bottom. Mm. Yeah. I like that. I'll, I'll take that one. I, I think I've had the intention of having two priority lists, but then having a limit because the priority list, if you don't manage it, it could be like 20. The I'm going to get this done today. Yeah. I just need to get done now. <laughs> so I like that three. I'll start with that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. There you go. Take that to the bank. Priority is a funny word because priority literally means one, like the single most. And so when people say mm -hmm. like, show me a list of your priorities, that's a com that's technically impossible with the word. Like it should be mm -hmm. one single yeah. focus. So it, it's funny that people have turned it into, ah, oh, like what are our priorities today? It's like, uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay. The last question that I have is if today, right now, you could hire or inject yourself with any sort of talent or skill matrix style or just hire the person that could do that to take your company to the next level, what would that hire be? Money's no object. They love you. They want to work for you completely for free, and they have whatever skill set you want them to have. What one person do you hire? It would be a, I don't know, an agent. Someone to procure like big sponsorships, big partnerships, um, and have a skill set to understand legal jargon. Hmm. So, one thing that once I go full-time elevate, my goal actually is to become an Under Armour athlete. Now, why Under Armour? Um, Nike, all these other companies, I think they're all great. But something about Under Armour really attracts me. I think it's just because they have such an underdog mindset and they are an underdog company relative to Adidas and Nike. But I remember I was walking into um, a sports authority. No, not sport, well, Dick's Sporting Goods now. They got bought out. Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, and I saw The Rock on the wall as a sponsored Under Armour athlete. Now, I'm not saying I'm as big as The Rock, but to me, I just thought it was so awesome that a sports company would sponsor a non-professional athlete. And I think that's where it's trending. Um, now, content creators are More getting into the mix, yeah. right? So, but there's just something about that company. Like, I want to I have a, I, I want to create good coaching products for volleyball coaches. I want to create real volleyball shoes because volleyball shoes suck. They're just basketball shoes that have been adapted with lower technology more often than not. It's that's funny. Um, I I always choose volleyball shoes like Asics over basketball shoes because of how uh -huh. firm the agility, like the side to side, is. Every time I keep trying to shift over to basketball shoes because everybody goes, yeah, they put so much more money into basketball shoes and there's millions of dollars of research. For my feet, I just – I can't I can't move beyond uh, volleyball shoes for, for 
agility and like hard stops and stuff. It's funny you say that, but like not sponsored in any way, but my ASICs, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get away from them. Have you, do you have a, a, a basketball, like a shoe junkie friend that can kind of guide you through the process of testing the whole array? Not at all. If you can find somebody that understands basketball or just shoes in general and can find a good fit, you'll, 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 I, I think it'll be a, a game changer okay. in terms of like, man, this, I didn't know a shoe could do this because a lot of exactly what you just spoke to. I think loaded ground, good, good um, lateral support. Load to the ground. Um, you know, yeah, where good... your heel's not rocking over that yeah. high edge. And it's just like, nope, I know this yeah. is going to be a sprain. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I think having an agent to help me navigate that because I, 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 I think I want to be – I want to be a sponsored athlete one just so i can do it full-time more but i think that would just give me a greater platform i want to partner with good companies and i want to just have just spread the message bigger and to encompass the lifestyle of what that means and i don't have the skill set to pursue a company like that um and i also don't have the the legal aspect to make sure i'm not getting screwed over right right so i would say that is that's probably the most important hire for me in the near future well well Guys, if you're listening and you're an agent, you're an awesome negotiator, you know what it takes or you think you got, you know what it takes, reach out to Donnie. You can find him at elevateyourself.org. And Donnie, would you, would you share? Um, of course, we know to look on YouTube for Elevate Yourself, but I'd also like you to share any Instagram or just maybe the best way to reach out if you want to share an email address or an Instagram or anything like that um, for that rock star to come find you or anyone who's got questions about your vertical jump programs, your volleyball programs, uh, and anything else that they might want to ask you. Yeah, I have two Instagrams. Um, I have a personal one that unfortunately, I, don't, I actually don't respond to many messages. It's just me posting random stuff. But if you want to follow that, that's at Coach Donnie. Uh, and then the one that is more on the business aspect that I respond to inquiries is elevate yourself official. So that would be the best way to get in contact with me um, regarding anything like that. And then website has all the links to my jump training programs. And if you want to attend any camps, if you're a high school athlete or you're an adult athlete um, in the Bay Area, you can find links to those. Awesome. 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 Di, I appreciate you for coming on so much. Uh, Good to know where you're at and, and how far you've come in the last few years. It's fun to come full circle and I'm happy for you that you've got a team set up and that it just continues to grow. And it's really cool to see how many goals you still have, that it's unending. It's successful and unending and you've made the pivots that you've had to at the right times and that you, you've struggled just like so many, but figured out the answers um, and you've done it with a good heart. So from the volleyball world, 100% thank you for creating so much of that. And from the entrepreneurial world, sick. Congratulations. <laughs> Pretty awesome stuff to see. Thanks for the kind words. And like I, it's it's a blessing to have a community of other uh, content creator entrepreneurs like you that are passionate about what they do and 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 always in the growth mindset and and just it's just nice to know that other people are, are trying to do the same thing. You know, that's always really encouraging for me. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, and if you're listening and you do want any uh, sport 
business coaching leadership advice uh, at the time of this filming. We don't have anything to offer you other than my free email list where I send entrepreneurs and people who want to turn their fitness or athletic passion into a business. I just send out basically journal entries to that email list about things that I learned or things that I did that week. And if you want to check it out, just head over to athleticstartup.com. There are literally two pages on that website. One's an opt-in for that email list, and the other one is our podcast page. And if you love this episode, go ahead and give it a rating. Scroll down a little bit, give it a five-star rating, subscribe, and definitely share it and our resources with your friends. Thanks for watching, and uh, we'll see you on the sand and I guess in the, in the business room for the entrepreneur athletes. <laughs> All right. Have a good day, everybody.